morning. It is a pleasure for me to be here with you and share what God is doing among the Haitian community in spite of the different uh, difficulties that they are facing at this moment. I want first of all to thank you for your prayers and your support and because of you we are able to minister to thousands of people. Um, not only that we are able to minister to them uh, spiritually by bringing the message of salvation but also we were able to minister to them physically because of your financial support. And we had uh, 400 pastors that we have targeted and to those 400 pastors, we were able to minister to about 70,000 people that were able to reach them and minister to their felt need. And, uh, and the pastors in those churches will continue and minister to their real need, which is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And um, as you know, Haiti counts with about 9 million people living in the poverty-rest country in the world. After the earthquake, it's make life even harder for the Haitian people. And we'll ask you to continue to pray, to see that in 32 seconds, over 300,000 people lost their life in a minute. So we need your prayers and your support. Almost everybody lost uh, a loved one, a friend, a uh, father, a mother, a sister, a school teacher, or everybody is touched deeply. So continue to pray for us. It is uh, one of the hardest times uh, that we are facing in the history of Haiti. But we can still see in the midst of all these troubles and problems that occur that we can see God's hands at work. His comfort is never missed. His uh, lovely hand and arm always around us and to provide the comfort that we can find only in him. But as I come before you this morning, there is this passage in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 7 that comes uh, to our mind as I study this different situation that we are facing at this moment. In uh, verse 11 to verse 17, in a situation in which that a woman who lost her own son who died and to see the power of our Lord in this situation. What situation can we face that God does not have a solution for? But do we trust him in all the situation that we are in? Many of us is facing sickness. Uh, Sometimes it's a illness that is uh, end to death, like cancer, that is terminal. How do you face uh, those situations? How do you face the crisis, the financial crisis that is traversing our, the whole country at this time with the financial problems that occur? I know in California there is a couple 
and because of the financial crisis, both of them lost their job. And the husband did not know how to deal with that situation. So he ended his life, his wife's life, and the five children that they had. Then he left a note and said, I did not know any way out. What about death? Many of us here, we are afraid of death. In the last weeks or so, we are celebrating more than so many funerals than we can even remember. So I had a friend of mine. Uh, he was a young student of ours in Miami. And we were flying from Miami to Alabama in Birmingham for a training. As we were flying in that plane, he's so afraid of death. And the plane was shaking, and while the plane was shaking, and there was something leaking, was like gas. And the pilot, they tell him, so he sent the co-pilot outside, and the co-pilot came and looked and saw the gas leaking, and he said something like, that, but I heard what he said. He said that uh, we don't have to worry about uh, the gas. He has two tanks, and the other one can take them back. They go back to Miami or in return. But this young man that was with me did not hear. He was so afraid he could not hear what was the captain was saying. Then he asked me. Jokingly, I told him the captain said to say our last prayer. And you could imagine the trauma that he was in, even though I told him it was not true. But he could not, for the last hour, he was afraid of death. But what situation can we are in that is look endless, that there is not a way of return for our Lord and for our King? So as we're going to look at this text, I'm going to present to you some of the different needs and the different situations that we are facing in Haiti. But we will see that our Lord has a solution for all of our problems and trials. In verse 11, it says, Now it happened the day after he went into the city called Nan, and many of his disciples went with him and a large crowd. And when he came near the gate of the city, behold, a dead man was being carried out, the only son of his mother. And she was a widow, and a large crowd from the city was with her. When the people saw her, he, when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said to her, Do not weep. Then he came and touched the open coffin, and those who carried him stood still. And he said, Young man, I say to you, arise. So he was dead. So he who was dead sat up and began to speak. And he presented him to his mother. Then fear came upon all, and they glorified God, saying, A great prophet has risen upon among us, and God has visited his people. And this report about him went throughout all Judea and all the surrounding region. Here in the reading of the word of the Lord. Do you trust God 
in all the situation that you are facing. And here, the situation that we are facing is the death of a young man. A death of a young man and also of a mother who lost her husband and lost her son and to see the situation in which that she was in. But as I look at this text, we, and I come to verse 13, it says that when the Lord saw her. So as I look at this text, there are three truths that I would like us to see and study together as we look at this together. First, the first truth is that we should understand that Jesus sees and know our needs. When we look at here, Jesus is coming from Capernaum, and here is the Sea of Galilee, and which is about 40 kilometers. There's another city on the southwest side of the Sea of Galilee called Nain, a city we don't hear much about, which name means pleasant. So Jesus is walking down from that sea of Galilee, coming now to the gate of the city. But the text tells us that he had with him his disciples and a very large crowd. And if you look at that text, the large crowd that is mentioned is the same word that they use when he was feeding the 5,000 which means that there was a very large number of people that was following our Lord. But he says in verse 12, as he come near to the gate of the city, so we have this crowd of people coming this way, coming into the city, and then there was a dead man that was being carried out, the only son of his mother. So there was a dead man coming out of the city, and this is like a possession of a funeral possession. And that the way that was done in the first century, that they would have the woman in the front, then they would have the men, the pallbearers who were carrying the casket. They would have stake over them so that they will not touch the casket. Then they will have the crowd or the mourners that will follow them. Then after the mourners, you'll have the band. And after the band, you'll have the people from the city that are coming and going down to bury this person. But here we see there's a big crowd coming this way. And as this big crowd coming that way, here is the Lord coming with another crowd. You can see how many people are passing each other. But it says that <clears throat> as those two crowds met together, in verse 13, he said, when the Lord saw her, no matter how big is the crowd, no matter how big and your problems is, that there is a word of encouragement for us, that the Lord see us in our personal situation. He see us personally. He see us in the deepest needs that we are. As I'm talking about the Haitian people, the trials and the destruction that occur just in 32 seconds, the Lord sees the problems of our Haitian people, and he knows what is the best solution for this problem. But let me explain a little bit of what happened in Haiti. 
because of the need that is there at this moment. Uh, you know Port-au-Prince, that's where, as the map that you have, Port-au-Prince is a city that had over 3 million people. Come to understand the need that happened there where 75% of the buildings and homes that is there in that city is destroyed. Where now the people are living in the street under Lolo shacks that they make for poles and then have sheets and that they put around. Imagine rain. It's just rain on Thursday, like a flood of water coming. There's nothing from, to separate them from the water and the things. But to imagine that if you drive 15 or 20 or 50 miles south of Port-au-Prince, then you reach a city that nobody has mentioned between Port-au-Prince and Jacmel called Leogan. And Logan, where there was over 100,000 people live there, it's 97% destroyed. Every home, every building, school, church, everything collapsed. So if you start to think about the need of the Haitian people going from these areas alone, we have millions of people that are homeless. Now, because of that, now those people, they left those communities and start spreading out. In the area of Gonaive, which is the, called the Artibonit section, there's 158,000 people. They left Port-au-Prince. They have no friends, no relative, nobody in those communities, but they're so scared of Port-au-Prince now, they just go to those areas for refuge. And this is why there is an influx of people here also in the south, in Kais, that, are, that just came to those communities. So they have different type of problems. They have medical needs because some of them, they were under the rebel. They were under the blocks. They were under those things. And so they come to, the, to Kais, and I met a young lady. Blocks fall on, on her and different things. And, and uh, so we had to take them to our medical clinic. That, that's why we have so many medical needs at this moment. There is not only medical problems, but there's the financial problems. They come, they have nothing, and some of them have never been in the South, and to see all the needs that they have. They have educational needs. Most of the school has collapsed, and all of the headquarters of our schools in Port-au-Prince totally damaged and totally destroyed. So there is uh, people now, I go to visit some camps, and some of those camps, there are people for four days, three days, they don't have any food supplies, and they don't have anything to eat. The need is so much, and so much in different areas, and so on. They have no shelter. But the greatest problem is when you come to the community and to see that the church is also destroyed. Just in Port-au-Prince alone, 137 churches collapse and destroy. And that's why the people right now, they are worshiping on the street. And this is the greatest need that we have, is to start vital base churches that can reach them with the gospel. But when we look at CNN, he helps us to see what's happening. He helps us to see the earthquake and some of the needs 
But unless we go down to the root in, the, in ourselves, you will not be able to understand the magnitude of what is happening there. But the need is so great. Yes, you have heard about it and you have responded very positively in helping us by providing food to some of the people that we're able to minister. But the need is even greater than just food. The need more now is toward planting vital base churches that will reach them with the gospel. So how do we respond? How did Jesus respond here to the woman? When he saw her need in verse 13, the scripture said he had compassion on her. And then he said, do not weep. So first, not only did Jesus understand and, and, uh, and see our needs, secondly, we should understand that Jesus also, when he sees our needs, he is moved with compassion. He is moved with compassion toward our needs. Jesus does not stand still. He moves with compassion. Compassion here is the word that they used, splanchkisnisomai, uh, and splanchnizomai is the word which means it is a gut feeling from within, which means it is something from the inward that moves you out, that, that you, is not only that you feel the pain of the person, but you, you move out to see how, what can I do in order to help solve this problem. Many of us sometimes we have compassion, but compassion is to have pity on the person. Oh, mine, oh, I see your need. But this compassion here is beyond this. It's a compassion that moves into action. It's not only to see the need, but to see what can I do to have solved, resolved this problem. And see, we see here uh, this woman's situation. When the Lord moved with compassion, he knew and understand what was the deepest problem that she has. He understand now she is all alone. She lost her husband who was a protector, who was the male provider. Then now she lost her only son, which means that the family line is cut off. And you must understand the difficulties that this woman is going to be facing in the future. Because in the first century time, women did not have many ways to earn a living. Beside that, the hardship and the sense of loneliness and the sorrow, there was a knowledge that everything is gone. She will be mostly like a beggar. And so when the Lord saw her, he had compassion upon her. So now, no one asked the Lord to move, but he moved out of his own initiative. When he looked look at our situation... Jesus moved with compassion also for us. When we look in Matthew chapter 8, verse 17, it says that he himself that took our infirmities and bore our sicknesses. What we deserve, he had taken it upon himself and so that he will set us free. Not only to have compassion, but we see our compassion should motivate us toward action. You know, what can I do in order to remedy that situation? What did Jesus do here? So in verse 14, he said, Then he came and touched the open coffin. As soon as he touched the open coffin, 
What happened with the people that were caring? They stopped. Why? When you read in Numbers chapter 19, verse 16, in order, if somebody touched a coffin where the dead person was inside, is taking the defilement, the uncleanness of that person upon yourself. And here is the meaning that, that Jesus has taken the defilement of that person, of that sick man upon himself. Then we see his power is demonstrated. That those who carried out, they stop. And then Jesus starts talking to the young man and say, Young man, I say to you, arise. He spoke with authority. And immediately 